Good morning, Rimrock. How are you today? It has been a little while since I have um, stood here, and I am very, very excited um, to be with you guys this morning. We are uh, finishing uh, uh, the series uh, that we've been in, uh, Slaves to Children, um, the Word of the Covenant. We've been looking at the the Ten Commandments uh, in light of the covenant relationship that God has with his people. And it's been a great series, hasn't it? Uh, just to look at it in a different way, to, um, to really uh, put it in, uh, in, a, in the correct, but a new kind of context. And uh, it's just been fabulous. And so uh, I'm excited to be able to kind of wrap up this series this morning. And so um, kind of different for me, um, the message this morning's kind of got four parts to it, and we're going to do a little bit of recap, but we're really going to answer the question, now what? Uh, what do we do uh, with all that we've been learning over the last several weeks? Um, what, what do we do with all that, right? And uh, so we're going to take a look at that. If you've got your Bibles this morning, we're going to be uh, in several different places, but uh, you can start moving your way to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and... Um, and we're going to begin with this phrase this morning. This is the, the first part of this message is the rescue. The rescue. God liberated his people from slavery. This is really where that, uh, this whole series began. Uh, we wanted to put the Ten Commandments in the right context. And, and God noticed that his people, he heard that his people uh, were crying out because they were slaves in Egypt. This uh, theme of rescue, it, it comes up over and over and over again, all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament this idea or this, um, this story, this recounting of God rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt. And all of that happened even before um, Israel was a nation. It was this group of people. God had chosen them, but they, they really were not a nation yet until um, they're there at the, the foot of Mount Sinai, and that's after their rescue. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse, starting in verse 20. And I, this morning, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And it's on the screen for you, but that's the version I'm reading out of today. Starting in verse 20. In the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws and decrees and regulations that our Lord has commanded us to obey? And then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The, door, the Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land that he swore to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all of these decrees and to fear him so that he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands that the Lord has given us. Have any of you ever been rescued? And I mean like in the physical sense. Have any of you ever had someone come and 
and bodily take charge of you and move you to safety. I was thinking about that this week. I mean, here's the, the, this whole story is about rescue. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, have I ever been rescued, like in the physical sense? I'd, I'd be interested. Anybody, I mean, just raise your hand. If, you, if you've ever been physically rescued. Okay, so just some of us, right? But incredible. So here's the one story that I've got. And I'm going to share you my one rescue story. And I've shared it here in greater detail. But uh, in 2012, um, my family and I were in Haiti. And uh, while we were there, uh, we were getting ready. Like our time was coming to an end. Our planned time was coming to an end. And a tropical storm kind of came close to the island, uh, three days of the heaviest rain I've ever seen. And the, the river that we had to cross in order to get back to uh, Port-au-Prince, in order to fly out, um, went from one river to three branches um, and washed out the, the bridge. And so we were stuck. And so after the rain stopped, for the next three or four days, we would travel down to the river, uh, down to the, the bank, and we would look at it and assess, can we get across this thing? Can we get out of here? And, and it took three or four days. Finally, the, the, the water went down enough that we felt like we could ford the river by foot, which, okay, city guy, right? So I, I, don't, I don't use the word ford. Doesn't that have that weird J in it? If you spell to ford, it, I don't do it. That's the, the point. I can't even spell it. Ford, right? And so we get across the first two um, fingers or uh, parts of the river, and then we find ourselves kind of on this sandbar. This was a really good plan. I don't know who was leading this trip. It wasn't me. But we get in the middle of this thing, and then we're noticing that this last piece, which is kind of the original flow of the river, and it's fast, and it's deeper than we thought that it would be. And so this this group of us, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 of us, and we were just blessed to have these hulking Haitian men with us. Like, I don't know where they found these guys, but these guys were fit and ready to help us. And so they, they took our bags across and then came back, and then they picked up the women and children, and they took them across and came back. And then I noticed this very strange thing. I noticed that these guys are kind of gathered up over here, and they're discussing something that looks very important to them. And they keep looking at me. And I'm thinking, I don't know what the Haitian version of paper, rock, scissors is, but that's what's going on. Because one of those guys is going, dude, I've got a bad back. I, you know, I got a, you know, I got a leg thing, a sciatic nerve thing. I, I, am, I mean, I think they're finally, thank, thankfully... Two of them came. Two of them. It, it took. Two, two of them came over and took me by the arms and moved me across the river. Right. I, I was doing the Fred Flintstone twinkle toes across the body and big rocks rolling. But I, when we got to the other side, I, I've never been more thankful f- for very large, fit men. 
right, than I was right there. They, like, literally, they rescued our group. They took us and they moved us to a place of safety. And God did the same thing for his people. For his glory and out of his faithfulness to his people, God took hold of his people and he carried them to safety. He turned those slaves into children. And as true as that rescue story is for the nation of Israel, it is also true for us that God has sent um, through Jesus, God continues to rescue people who are in the chains of sin. He didn't merely invite us to leave our prison, but he took action. He stormed the gates and he made a way for us to reach freedom. Now with every section of this message, there's a, there's a truth statement I, I want you to grab onto. And for this, I want you to get that we are, we are not slaves any longer, but we are children. We're not slaves. We're children. Well, the second section we talk about, the, the first one is the rescue, but the second one is the refining. Because as we've been working our way through this story that God unfolds with his kids, he brings his kids out of slavery. He adopts them as his people. He, he forms them into a nation. And he, and he comes, he brings them right to the edge of the place where he was going to fulfill a promise that had been made hundreds of years before that his people had had clung to and and held tight to this promise of having a, a place of their own, a land that would be theirs, where they could where they could live in God's blessing. And so God brings this group of people to the edge of the promised land. And and they they send twelve guys in to kind of check it out. And when they come back Ten of those guys are just overwhelmed with fear. Because they see what's ahead through their own, their own power. And in that moment, man, they forgot the God that was with them. So I want to read for you just a bit of this story. In Numbers chapter 14 is where we find it. This is after those, the, uh, the spies come back and 10 of them kind of stir up this, uh, they give a report that's just laced with fear. Uh, chapter 14 of Numbers says, Then the whole community began to weep aloud, and they cried all night. And their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the desert, they complained. Why is the Lord uh, taking us th- to this country only to have us die in battle. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And then they plotted among themselves, let us choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. 
Now, you know, we can read that in a very sanitized way and say, man, what are they thinking? Why the heck would they want to go back to be slaves? Weren't they, weren't they there for 430 years crying to get out of there, right? And now they want to go back? And we read that, and I, I, for me, it's easy for me to shake my head. And all they've done is lost sight of the God that rescued them. They speak out of their fear. So God rerouted them. They were at the border of the promised land. But God rerouted them. And he spent the next 40 years teaching this group of people how to be his children. How to trust him and how to obey him. Listen to how Moses recounts this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, in verse 1, he says, Be careful, Moses speaking to the people. Uh, Specifically, he's talking to the children who were at the border, have wandered now with their parents for 40 years until all of the adults have died. And now these are the children who are now adults. And this is what Moses says. Be careful to obey all the commands that I am giving you today. Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you. And... and Uh, unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. God took these slaves and he, and he made them children. And then he taught these children how to trust him and how to obey him. When they were thirsty, God provided water for them in the desert. When they were hungry, he fed them. When he said move, they moved. And when he said stop, they rested. He did all of that so that they would learn to trust him and learn to obey him. They were, they were learning to hear the voice of their God. And every day God demonstrated his attention to their personal needs. And the same really is true for us. Many, many times I have heard people tell me stories about how much they realized God's care and God's tenderness and his mercy in times of great hardship and trial. It's in those times that we find that God's presence seems real and seems close and near. And certainly not for everyone. Certainly sometimes hardship can be a wedge that drives people uh, away to to move towards self-reliance. But God doesn't move. 
God doesn't move. His great desire is for his children to learn to lean into him in hardship. So we have the rescue and we have the refining and then we move to the reconciliation. The reconciliation. God reunited himself with mankind through Christ. You know, I was thinking about this. I'm not good at math, so it took me a whole week. I was thinking about this, um, but my wife Angie, I, I met her 31 years ago. That... makes me feel old. That and my knees make me feel old, right? 31 years, and we, we, Angie and I met our second week of college, and almost immediately, I began pursuing her, right? First, I began pursuing at, you know, a friendship with her. So I made sure that uh, I, I waved at her when we passed on campus, and I learned her name. That was good. That was actually the first step. Then I started waving at her. And then I I, I might uh, sit near her in the classes that we had together or, um, you know, maybe uh, find myself uh, eating a meal relatively close by in the cafeteria. So I I pursued. I pursued and pursued and pursued and pursued. It, it wasn't very many weeks before I told my roommate, like, that's the, that's the lady that I'm going to marry. It took her much, much longer. Because <laughs> she's really, she's really wise. But eventually, now listen, eventually, right, eventually she responded. So here's the thing with pursuing, right? We, we pursue, in any relationship, in any relationship, there's pursuit and there's response, right? And so I'm pursuing and pursuing, but listen, if I, if I have any shred of, of social awareness, I'm looking for the response because pursuit without response is called stalking, right? You see, so, so, we're, so we're looking for the response, and eventually she responded positively, not with pepper spray, you know, and then she began to pursue, and, and we, we began a friendship, and then uh, our friendship grew into love and our love grew into commitment and our commitment grew into covenant relationship that's lasted almost 29 years. Amazing. But now listen, no, don't clap. Don't, don't. That's, no. That, that, is, that is God's grace and and Angie. That's, that's exactly what that is. But listen, I, I looked this up. The, the word reconcile, the word reconcile means to establish, a, to reestablish a close relationship between and to settle or resolve. To reestablish a close relationship between or to settle or resolve. 
And God rescued us, not only for his glory, but also for relationship with us. Everything that God does is for our good. He loves us, he pursues us, and he longs to reestablish a close relationship, a close relationship with us. And he did this by settling the debt and resolving the conflict between himself and mankind. What debt, you might ask? That'd be a good question. We should talk about the debt. Romans 3.23, Paul says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And then a little later in Romans 6.23, he says, For the wages of sin or the payment that we get from our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the debt. What's the conflict? If he resolved the conflict, what was the conflict? Romans 5.8, Paul says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I, I love this in Romans 5.10. Romans 5.10. Listen now. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, catch it, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. God reconciled himself to mankind through Christ by settling the debt of our sin and resolving the conflict because we were his enemies when he moved, when he acted. He made the first step. He stormed the gates and created a path for us to find freedom. Paul sums it up this way in 2 Corinthians 15. This will be on the screen. Paul writes, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. God acted. He rescued. He made us his children. He reconciled us. God is pursuing. He is pursuing. And that pursuit has nothing to do with what you have to offer. He simply desires a relationship with you. And he desires it because we're rescued for relationship. Well, our fourth section, we talked about the rescue, we talked about 
the refining. We've talked about the reconciliation, but here's, here's the last section, and that is the response. We tell others how to find freedom. Since God is pursuing, now we have to choose how we respond, right? Pursuing, every relationship has pursuing and response, right? God is pursuing, now we have to decide how are we going to respond. And if we respond by moving toward God, receiving that gift of reconciliation by trusting Christ to pay for our sins, then we experience a freedom that just was not possible before. This um, phrase or this quote, I, I wasn't even sure that it was a quote until I googled it, but this phrase was running through my head all week. And maybe you've heard it, and now I know that it was, it's, a, it's attributed to a guy named D.T. Niles. I have no idea who that is, but I have heard this phrase. Listen now. Evangelism is just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. Have you heard that before? I'll say it again. Evangelism is just one beggar telling, showing another beggar where to find bread. And you know what I love about that, that picture? is because we're all on an equal footing at the foot of the cross. But we have a message. If we have found freedom, we have a message to share. We, if we've experienced the goodness of God, then we must tell others how they can experience that as well. Paul puts it a little differently, looking at those same verses in 2 Corinthians 15 but highlighting now a couple of different parts of those verses. Look at 2 Corinthians 15. It'll be on your screen. The end of verse 18. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. And the end of verse 19. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, and we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Do you realize that we carry the message of freedom for those who are still in bondage to their sin? We are Christ's ambassadors. And you think about what an ambassador does. That word is cool. Think about what an ambassador, an ambassador goes on behalf of someone else. He carries their message and he represents them in, in a hostile place. And we are Christ's ambassadors. And we carry that message of freedom. For 430 years, Israel served as slaves in Egypt. They had no power to secure their own escape. 
and they cried out to God, and he moved to rescue them. He turned those slaves into children. And he parented those children, teaching them to trust him and to obey him for their good. And then the Father provided their true freedom by sending Christ to take their punishment and reveal himself in a new way so that they could relate to him. And he has grafted us into that same family tree. That all that God had done for his people Israel, he grafts us into. That we can bear the fruit that he produces in us. So I feel like I'm talking to two different groups today because there are some of you who have not been, you're not on that journey. Like you haven't experienced freedom. And so my question today is, what are you going to do with the offer to be set free? Have you responded to Christ? Have you ever trusted him to take your punishment? And if not, then today is a day I want you to consider. I want you to think about that. What is standing in the way of you responding to the one who's pursuing you? And if today's the day, tell somebody. Don't leave here today without having that conversation, first of all, with the God who rescued you, and then tell somebody. Because God didn't design us to walk this thing all by ourselves. We're all messed up, and we're all in it together. But some of you have found freedom. And the question for you is, how are you carrying the message of freedom to others? It's really the thing I want you to to put in your pocket. It's really the thing I want you to chew on today is how are you sharing the message of freedom with others? And if you need a starting place, here's a simple one. Just tell your story. Tell the story about how Jesus set you free and how he adopted you as a child and how he is has given you a new life. If you've found bread, then tell another beggar about it. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank you. Thank you that you would entrust this message in broken vessels like us. Father, would you, through your Holy Spirit, would you, would you bring to mind our own story of rescue? And God, this week, even today as we leave, God, would you put somebody in our path that we can tell that story to? God, we're not any better We're just a beggar that has found bread. God, would you give us somebody 
even today that we can tell our story to. God, we lift you up. We worship you. We trust you. We lean into you because you are faithful to us. You are worthy of our worship. And we praise you for it. Amen.